Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. And remember, if you want to listen live, download the iHeartRadio app, download the TuneIn app, and just search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network, and you can listen to this program live. Also, if you want to watch the video of this podcast, check us out on YouTube, on Twitch, or on Periscope, and type in, you guessed it, Fantasy Sports Network. You'll find us there. Enjoy the show, and thanks for listening. You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Fantasy Sports Today. Hence, Trafford, Mike Fluitt, Rich Sermonello with you. Sean Angle behind the glass getting us... In and out of breaks and entertaining me to no end. Appreciate you, Sean. Uh, We're back here talking about the NFL Combine. Lots on tap uh, for the rest of the weekend. We want to get to that uh, as well. We'll we'll look uh, forward to what we should expect, what we should keep our eyes on. Uh, Rich and Mike both uh, cluing us in there. Uh, Rich, as you look back to yesterday, any storylines we haven't hit on? Anything that uh, you feel as though uh, player-wise or drill-wise you feel like uh, should be more of a story as we pass uh, into Saturday's uh, festivities? Can I talk offensive linemen? I know that's not the sexiest topic, but... um, Oh, the big boys are sexy. Come on. Yeah, it it, it intrigues me because, you know, they often don't get a particularly uh, interior offensive lineman. We talked a little bit about... Uh, Jonah Williams. We talked a little bit about uh, Andre Dillard. Uh, Jawan Taylor from Florida will be a high first round draft choice. But when I watched a kid by the name of Garrett Bradbury, uh, I'm sure fans don't know the name. He's an NC State interior lineman, center to be specific. Uh, I think he's the best interior prospect that I have seen in the last two years. And he, he validated that by running a 4-9 yesterday, looked so fluid. And it's fun for me because, you know, we all do mock drafts. We all read mock drafts. But talk about a fluid process. Uh, this is a kid that was looked at as, you know, maybe a second rounder, a third rounder. Now you're beginning to hear that he has looked so good during the pre-draft process that he could slide into the late first round. So Garrett Bradbury from NC State, fun to watch a kid make the most of this process. And again, this is a topic for a, a different show, uh, something I'd love to see done in, in documentary format. But that pre-draft process, the training that takes place in places like Arizona and Florida, agents picking up the tab for that is so pivotal for the future of these kids. And how about, you know, you, you have guys like um... – uh, on the flip side, guys like Greg Little, who yeah had a had really a terrible day, where he ran a five three three in the forty, the vertical jump was twenty five inches, and he didn't participate in the bench press, which basically says to me, yeah, I haven't really worked out much, but I got invited to the combine, so I got to show up. Um, which honestly. You know how sometimes you say that the drug tests are an idiot test? To me, that's kind of an idiot test. Like, what have you been doing? It's okay if you've been injured, but you got to let people know. But if you haven't been working out since the season ended, you've had a couple of months. Like, let's get going. Yeah, and and it also speaks to the possibility, and I'm not going to throw out any – Uh, I'm not going to convict anybody here, but uh, it throws out the possibility that he's not supported by a great team. Uh, And and that's agents and family, handlers, whatever the case may be. It's reminiscent of last year with Orlando Brown. If you remember the big hulking offensive lineman from Oklahoma where you scratch your head. I remember thinking like, you know, you've had two months to prepare for nothing but this. I mean, this is your focus to excel in Indianapolis. Money is on the line. The future is on the line. And he's done a good job 
since he's gotten to the NFL to turn things around. But to Greg Little, Greg Little was the guy coming out of high school. He was the five-star prototypical offensive lineman. And not only did he run poorly, but if you watch the drills, looked very, very clumsy. So he's, he has a lot to clean up over the next month and a half. Yeah, 6'5", 310, 35-inch arms, 10-inch hands. So size is not the problem. By the way, from Allen, Texas, which I think is the same place that Kyler Murray is from. Ooh, uh, intrigue. Let's let's get them on the same squad. Did did Murray play high school ball there? Were they uh, they weren't teammates? Were they? I, you know, I, I heard it yesterday. That. They they said they said someone blocked for Murray in high school who was at the combine. After what you just said, Mike, it probably was Greg Little. Got to be. That would make Gotta sense. Be. I know. I know. Yeah. Kyler Murray's from Allen, Texas, and Little is too. Uh, they they do uh, high school football big in Texas. If you ever uh, have an opportunity to travel uh, and catch a game there, it is bigger than maybe half of college football. Like it is <laughs> it is a sight to see and something to behold uh, if you can get down. He there never lost Friday a game in uh, high school, by the way, Kyler Murray, and he went to Allen High School. So I'll do a little bit of homework uh, as we're here as well. Any other uh, linemen that stand out? Any guys who maybe uh, from small schools or names that you weren't expecting to see uh, perform well that stood out that might uh, make their way into the draft or or moving up uh, higher into the NFL draft? You know, one name, that I'll give you two quick names. Uh, Titus Howard, if you want to talk small school from Alabama State, not a surprise. Um, You know, kid who... Moves like a tight end, just uh, very athletic, very agile, great footwork. Showed that yesterday. So Titus Howard, offensive tackle from Alabama State. And, and you know, sometimes I, I just like to uh, talk about or champion uh, players who I think are just rock solid. Uh, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be, you know, they're not going to be a face of a franchise. Eric McCoy of Texas A&M. I, I hate to use the word safe, Dan, because it seems to sound as if I'm downgrading the kid. But sure. he is just someone you're going to plug in probably early in his career. And then if you could flash forward nine years from now, he's still going to be the pivot for an NFL team. Makes a ton of sense. I mean, and listen, offensive lineman, Mike, you made the point before. Every team needs offensive linemen. Like, and I yeah. think I, I thought we were trending towards an NFL where interior and uh, outside offensive linemen were going to be first round picks. And that was it. Like, you know, where everyone realized that they needed to get on board with building their offensive line first and then building it out from there. To your point earlier, Mike, it does seem like we're trending back towards the skill running backs and, and the playmakers, quote unquote, uh, being that much uh, more uh, heavily drafted. But I, I, you said they weren't sexy. I love the big uglies, the the I guys think, in the I trenches. Think a big part of it, I think a big part of it, Dan, and I've spoken with Rich on this topic on air before, is that it has now become, we all know the lack of success for first-round draft picks in the NFL related to quarterback. So there's some difficulty there. The quarterback position, I would argue, is getting easier to play in the NFL. While it's extremely difficult, you take less hits. The right. offenses are wider open. I think we're actually going to see an increase in what we consider success rates in the NFL in first-round quarterbacks. I, I would predict that. But offensive line, to me, has now come become the most difficult position to evaluate because we're talking about taking, to Rich's point, 17-year-old recruits. We're going to make sure that they maintain size over the course of their four years as they get through college and that they pick up a lot of what is difficult technique at the position, uh, remain explosive, all this kind of stuff. So they have to develop into a skilled offensive lineman. And frankly, with the way a lot of college football is played, and I'm looking at you, Big 12, there's a lot of two-point stances, <laughs> and it's not, it's not comparable to what – needs to be played in the NFL, at least right now. Right. We're seeing college bleed into the NFL. Maybe we see more two-point stances and lack of and sloppy technique that you can get away with at the NFL level, but it's unlikely because the defensive linemen are so good. There still right. needs to be sound technique, and I think it's why every team needs offensive linemen. There are, Rich, there's just a dearth of yeah. – sound technical offensive lineman at the NFL level. You're only allowed to carry basically eight guys and every team needs help at the back end of that rotation. And this is not a, you know, a lot of times uh, this time of year, we'll, we'll talk about uh, where are the positions of strength. Well, you could see, you know, sure. edge, 
position of strength. Interior, the defensive line, position of strength. Offensive line is not one of them. I mean, there are interior offensive linemen that I really like, but when it comes to tackles, you know, I, I think Jawan Taylor is safe. I like Andre Dillard, but you look at uh, Dalton Reisner from Kansas State, uh, probably a second-round pick. But, you know, Jonah Williams considered to be the top offensive tackle, there's a possibility he moves inside to guard or center. And then we've mentioned some names that struggled. Greg Little, high on a lot of boards, struggled. Yadni Kajust from uh, West Virginia had a rough day yesterday at the Combine. So, you know, there's not a... I, I mean, how many offensive linemen get taken in the first round this year? I, I don't think it's... Considering the need, you would think it would be higher, but I don't know if more than three or four players actually qualify as first-round talents this year. It's a good point. And I think something that as fantasy analysts, we, we do talk a lot about of positional scarcity, right? And when we're doing our, our fantasy football or fantasy baseball drafts, we try to analyze where we need to quote unquote pay up for somebody because there's less of those players. Do you think that influences in the NFL draft where the, the little, maybe not after his performance at the combine, but those type of players who are far and away the best at their position get drafted higher because yeah. of the scarcity behind them? Or do you think it, it levels out? Yeah, I, I listen, I think there's a common thread with fantasy drafts where you're like, listen, this this quarterback I need on my roster and there's right. nobody who compares, you know, the drop off is going to be significant beyond that point. And, and that might be the case uh, for quarterbacks this year, because if you look at it as Murray and Haskins as the top two. Now, there are quarterbacks I really like. Uh, Drew Locke, I guess, would be the next tier. Daniel Jones would be the next tier. But. Yeah, there there are those sort of demarcation lines where you're like, after this point, I can't wait another 20 picks, 30 picks to get the guy that I want. I might not only overpay, I might trade up in order to get into a position to get that kid. Yeah, Dan, I think to that point, teams really, you can only predict so many picks, right? Right. And you're going to have to, after the first round, you just have to be a mover and a shaker if you have real needs. The Patriots do it. In a, in, yes, they do. have always historically done it. Uh, they acquire picks so that they can then move them. They've done something in recent years where they're really scouting within the NFL. So they'll move some picks for a player like a Danny Shelton in order to add him to their defensive line rotation because they feel like he fills a need. So they've been creative in that way. Uh, but at the same time, they had two first-round picks this past season. Isaiah Wynn, you never saw hiding or hair of him because he tore his ACL in August. But uh, he was a first-round draft pick at offensive line that will slot in this year for them. And obviously, they picked picked um, Sonny Michelle as well. I would just say in general, you know, one thing that I think people maybe have not come to the realization on a widespread level is the contract structures do matter, which is why you will see teams reach for quarterbacks into the first round. Because of the way the NFL structures contracts, first round picks get four-year deals like right. anybody else that signs a rookie contract. However, the first-round picks also get the team option for the fifth year. You see it very often being exercised with players that have produced. I mentioned earlier in the show, Washington probably won't do that with Josh Doxson, but Tampa, despite all of the trials and tribulations, basically had to extend Jameis that fifth year now there's a kicker and you have to pay a lot more in year five than you have in year four in fact the Jaguars even did it with Blake Bortles from a monetary perspective in order to just try to sort out what it was they were going to do at the position for another year so sometimes you'll see reaches at quarterback but considering that position it makes sense to reach a little bit in the first round so that you have an extra year to evaluate you look at somebody like the cardinals that was a bottomless pit of which with which to start a team there was there was very little talent across the board you have chandler jones and pat peterson and david johnson and no offensive lineman and no defensive lineman and they missed it linebacker so Josh Rosen is going to end up getting a fifth year unless they do something crazy like ditch him for Kyler Murray. I don't think that's happening. I think that's just a rumor that people like to talk about. But 
I say that in order to let you know that Josh Rosen will likely be on Arizona for a fifth year, even right. if things don't look so rosy for the first two or three of it. Does that make sense? Makes total sense. And I think it's the uh, unspoken about part of the NFL draft. And I think you did a good job of summarizing and breaking it down there. Uh, just bringing the economics, I guess, is part of it, but also the operations of it all, right? The numbers and how they all piece together from forming a, a, a roster. Uh, it doesn't all work out to just be best player goes off the board uh, at the time that they should be drafted. Um, Rich, we'll, we're going to take the last two segments to preview what's left of the combine, which is a lot. There's a lot of skill players still to talk about. There's a lot going on. Uh, we have to talk about DK Metcalf's uh, body fat. That's going to be a fun <laughs> discussion. Uh, but I wanted to get one final uh, look here from you. Any running back that's not at the combine or any uh, offensive lineman that's not at the combine that we should have in our, our minds, people who either said not no to going, people who weren't invited, anybody that you saw during the season that you think could be an impact player at the next level. Is there a Philip Lindsay out there, in other words? Right, uh, exactly uh, right. From Colorado. Yeah, I, I, I don't know if there's that caliber of player. And, and uh, you know, th- there's one name that comes to mind that it's more of an injury-related uh, absence from the drills, although I do believe he's in Indianapolis uh, doing interviews and, and the medical review, is is Rodney Anderson from Oklahoma. Uh, still not 100% healthy, uh, struggled early in his career with health, uh, injury-prone, durability is going to be an issue, and, and that clearly is going to hurt his draft stock. But Rodney Anderson, when he was healthy last year, early parts of this year, was uh, a very unique back in that he's big, he's rangy, he's physical, he's outstanding as a receiver out of the backfield, worked very well in that system. I can see him on a team like Arizona with Cliff Kingsbury, where they use the backs oftentimes as receivers. Uh, Rodney Anderson, if he can get and sustain health, is a back that I think can go from um, not a participant at the combine to being a very successful pro. Lewitt, anybody from your perspective that you've read uh, or that you want people to uh, keep an eye on or even uh, uh, potential uh, teams you think will be looking for guys outside of the combine uh, as we move forward? Well, I mean, we went like an hour and 20 minutes and we didn't mention Chris Lindstrom, so I got to throw him out there. He's, or he's or the Br- how about Bryce wonder. Love? No Bryce Love conversation. Oh, that's a good staggering. point. Yeah. yeah, that's a good point. Bryce Love is a guy that going into the year was like, all right, he's going to be right there for the Heisman and uh, yep. Uh, he'll be in New York, and it, it just didn't happen for Stanford. It didn't happen for him. He was banged up. They were loading boxes on him, and, yeah, there's really nothing there. So I, I just wonder what he'll be at the next level. But that that's, a, that's an interesting name there, uh, Rich. We have uh, plenty still to get to with Rich Sermoniello, uh, co-host of College Football Today, right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Great content thus far. We're going to close out by previewing the rest of the weekend and looking forward to the NFL draft, what teams need and what they might be looking at as they go through the weekend. Pro days ahead as well. Dan Straffer, Mike Blewett, right here on Fantasy Sports Today. It's the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. We're back after this with more. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your DailyRoto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Boy, Dan Trevor, Mike Blewett, Rich Sermon Yellow coming back here on Fantasy Sports Today. Sean Engel keeping us entertained in between breaks and appreciate that, Sean. Uh, he is our producer behind the glass each and every Saturday morning right here on the Fantasy Sports Day show. Uh, we have uh, tight ends running right now at the Combine, and we talked uh, at the top, Mike, about technology, right, and the NFL being a year-long endeavor in saying that I am already able to watch his run on Twitter. Like uh, one of these runs, Noah, Noah Fant just ran a 4.51 yeah. 40-yard dash. I'm already scrolling through and seeing it 
and it just happened. Like they, I get that I need to deal with that, and technology's already done this, but we are live watching things on the internet that have happened moments ago. It, it kind of it gets me sometimes. You got a 6'4", 250-pound guy that just ran a four five one. Like, talk about making money. That's, that's ridiculous. What that's do we have on tap today, Richard? Well, I, I mean, we're talking about tight ends right now. Mike was uh, mentioning in the break that uh, probably the top two tight ends, uh, well, maybe top two tight ends drafted. Uh, Irv Smith could have something to say about that from Alabama or from uh, the University of Iowa. And, and we talked earlier about uh, does a school have a reputation for a particular position? Well, I can tell you right now, if Kirk Ferentz is – is recruiting tight ends or recruited tight ends in the last uh, draft cycle. How compelling is it to be able to say, um, yeah, Noah Fant and TJ Hawkinson, yeah, those are my guys. Uh, they, they were with us in Iowa City. Um, yeah, more than anything else, I, I want to see what happens with uh, uh, with the quarterback separation. Uh, that That's what I'm looking for today. Uh, you know, we know about Murray, he's not going to perform. We know about Dwayne Haskins, but there are a lot of quarterbacks that are sort of waiting in the wings that want to move up into that late first round, early second round. I'm talking about quarterbacks like uh, Ryan Finley from NC State. I'm a little bit perplexed at this point as to why Will Greer isn't getting a little bit more attention. I know he doesn't have the cannon of a Drew Locke. He doesn't have that arm strength of a Dwayne Haskins. But Will Greer was really productive during his two seasons at West Virginia. He's got he's got kind of that it factor. He's a clutch quarterback. He's poised. He's got moxie. Always reminded me of a poor man's Baker Mayfield. So uh, I'm curious to see who gets uh, a little bit of separation amongst those quarterbacks. Is there off? Is that off-field stuff problematic for him? I mean, obviously, in terms of like the PEDs, uh, yeah. I, I, I'm sure. I'm sure they're going to kick the tires on that. But you know, I, I listen. I think he could offset that by saying. Uh, listen, made a mistake. Uh, uh, he's now a family man. I mean, this is a yeah. married athlete with a child. Uh, not saying that married people with children don't make mistakes, but I think if there was a lack of maturity w- when he was in Gainesville. Not these three married guys with children, Rich. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> not, us, not us three. Not these pillars of society that are talking How many to combined children sports? do we have? I have two, by uh, the way. What's our total uh, number? Dan is leading the way. He's leading the pack. Wow. Okay. Three daughters, no less. Eight total. Nice. Jeez. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Mike, you have two? God bless. Yeah. You have two? All right. I want to see you catch up to uh, Stratford. I'm out. (laughs) Yeah. Chapped out. Can you you pick up number three? Is that possible? Well, yeah. The... the, the, uh, With the high draft pick. Yeah. We are... I mean, we haven't... uh, we haven't shut off the supply. Okay, so I gotcha. it's still a possibility. I, I'm not. I'm not like a an, an old time jazz singer. I'm not gonna. You know, I'm not gonna populate an entire city. But right. yeah, if we wanted number three, it could still biologically happen. Okay. All right. Oh man. Interesting. By the That's way, good. the tight end you mentioned the two Iowa tight ends. George Kittle is now a superstar tight end or becoming a superstar tight end in the yeah. league. He's also from Iowa. So. Yep. Um, uh, just something else to consider, you know. So yeah, I guess I guess you're right. Like Greer can really look. They get a lot of advice if they've hired the right people, and I think one thing agents can be really good about is fashioning you into doing a capable interview. So I, I think you can get you can sidestep those minefields, but you know, quarterbacks competitive, and we'll see some we'll see some. Sh- shifting in this now the question i really have about haskins is experience yep he threw 50 touchdown passes and there's no argument to be had that he wasn't amazing but he hasn't started a lot of games he started 14 games this is the problem i had with mitch trubisky when he was coming out now on the surface haskins obviously looks like a better prospect than mitch trubisky because he played for a really successful program and he went 13 and one, and he threw 50 touchdowns to eight interceptions, 175 quarterback rating. Uh, he's not particularly mobile. He, he ran it 85 times, but uh, really, you would never. He's a pocket passer. That's the bottom line. But I, if there is one thing that I get concerned about with guys coming out, it's that they haven't played a lot. 
Yeah, listen, I think it's a fair point. And and when when I look at um, value later in the draft to that point, Mike, um, I like the quarterbacks that have logged uh, 25, 30 starts. That's why I mention Orion Finley. I'll throw out a name like a Brett Rippon from Boise State, even Gardner Minshew. Now, I'm not talking about uh, instant starter. I'm not talking about – I'm talking about a valuable member of an organization, even if it's as a backup. Gardner Minshew at Washington State not only started, started in multiple locations, was a starter at East Carolina, and then obviously last year uh, at Washington State for Mike Leach. So, yeah, that that is the one position more than any other. But, hey, listen, Kyler Murray – could be the first quarterback taken. He only has one year as a starter as well. So, I mean, this yeah. is becoming increasingly common. Uh, it depends on the organization, but some organizations may look and say, you know, a Clayton Thorson, more starts. Uh, I like that. I like someone who has some savvy and has that experience under center. I, I find the whole uh, experience question to be fascinating, to be quite honest, and the idea that a certain number of starts matters. And I, I agree it does, because I do think there's you know on-the-job training that you don't necessarily want to do uh, in the NFL. But these monolithic college programs, the, the Ohio States, the Alabamas, we're going to see that more and more, aren't we? Like, Yes, I get that yep. there are some athletes that are finding ways to smaller schools and are making their ways, but these are the teams that are being propped up by the college football playoff as the, the, the Blue Bloods, as the guys you need to go to to make the next level, blah, 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 blah. So aren't we going to see these cycles of one-and-done sort of starters at quarterback or running back and have to almost readjust how we determine how good they actually are? I, I listen. I will say yes. I, a couple of things we're going to see, and then I'll and then I'll deviate away from that. A couple of things we'll see is a lot of one and done uh, because of the programs that have those talented quarterbacks, and then, boom, JT Barrett's gone. Haskins comes in for one season is so impressive that he becomes uh, the next guy. You're also going to see a lot more, and we're seeing it every year of one and done because of transfers, graduate transfers that are looking for playing yeah. time, go to a different campus. Um, you know, you see, uh, these are not one and dones, but you see Justin Fields going from Georgia to Ohio State. Uh, you see um, Kelly Bryant going from Clemson to Missouri. That is going to become uh, more of an issue as well. But having said that, in the next two, just looking ahead to 2020 and 2021, um, there's a good chance that the top quarterbacks taken in each of those two seasons will not be one and dones because we could be looking next year at a battle between Tua Tungavaloa from from Alabama and Justin Herbert from Oregon, both of whom would be three year starters uh, once they get to that point. Uh, and then in 2021, uh, barring a, a surprise, Trevor Lawrence looks as if he's teeing up as being a three year starter at Clemson, who becomes uh, potentially the first overall uh, player taken two years from now. Yeah, I, I so Dan, I think you will see an increase, but I think there's still something to be said for guys that were able to go into a program, win the Absolutely. job, and hang on to it for a couple of years. Now, if I I I, I feel the way I feel, but at the, if I'm trying to at least uh, maybe adjust what I said earlier, it's that high school football is vastly different than it used to be. Yep. So players do throw at a huge rate now, and you see teams that throw the ball a lot. Kyler Murray is an example of that. They are in up-tempo, pass-heavy offenses as opposed to, Rich, 25 years ago where it was three yards bone. in a cloud of dust all yeah. day. Yeah, yeah, there's no question about it. Um, who's really left? I mean, in, unless you're a service academy, um, you're, you're not running a, a run-heavy or uh, option-oriented offense. In fact, I, I interviewed uh, one of the last remaining of the Power 5 option uh, programs, if not the last one, and uh, Paul Johnson of Georgia That's Tech. True. I mean, he was one yep. of the last holdouts, and Paul Johnson is now uh, happily retired and golfing on a regular basis, replaced um, – uh, why am I missing out on uh, Jeff Collins, uh, who used to be at Temple? So, uh, yeah, I mean, I mean, listen, the systems have changed. The type of quarterbacks that you're recruiting has completely changed. And because of that, guys, you see the NFL game slightly changing. And I know it's it's probably way overhyped at this point. But uh, what 
Baker Mayfield did at the end of last year and what Pat Mahomes did throughout the 2018 season for the Chiefs, I mean, don't you think that is changing in large part because of the success that they had, obviously, in the Big 12? Yeah. And I think the other thing I find interesting is as we talk at the NFL level of maybe height of a quarterback not mattering as much, right? Maybe it's not as because we're seeing some smaller guys come through and it's still going to be six two or above. And I absolutely agree. I think that's filtering down to college and filtering down to high school where a kid who may have the skill set to be a quarterback in the future may have been pigeonholed as a running back at the age of 15 and made to play that is getting the opportunity to play in these air raid in these wide open offenses at quarterback. And I think that's going to cascade. Is it going to revolutionize the game? No, but I think you're going to see some athletes come through at quarterback that may again, 10, 15, 25 years ago, not been allowed to play quarterback at the high school level, not been allowed to play that. And I think that's interesting. It is funny. My high school still runs the wishbone, still runs the the, the triple option. Um, It's a a big school, a big high school, but a small football team in New Jersey. A good friend of mine uh, coaches the team and it's just what they've always run. It's they continue to run it. Um, And I I think that's going to, slowly go away as well these air raid offenses are what kids want to play in right they want the the high tempo they want the big plays and that's filtering to college and i think we'll i think you're right rich it is a little overblown in in the nfl right now uh but clearly what mahomes and baker mayfield did and from a, a fan perspective the offense has been a lot of fun to watch the one thing I'll briefly say, I don't want to get too far off topic the one thing I'll say and I, i'd like your guys take on it is for certain programs and again it's it's academy based right now army was able to do what army did last year and then Mm -hmm. navy for a long period of time whether it was ken niamatololo or paul johnson did what it did for a long stretch because they're so difficult to defend you know that that could be an equalizer army lost to oklahoma last year 28 to 21 in overtime if army with the caliber of players that they're getting tries to go toe to toe with those larger programs, you know, it's going to wind up being a bloodbath. And so I think ahead to, you know, someone like a Les Miles now at Kansas, you know, he's going to try to get kids to compete with the Oklahomas and Texases and Oklahoma States and Mike Gundy. That's probably not going to go too well. I wonder sometimes that if even if you're a Kansas, do you say, let's run the option, let's yep. run the wishbone, because that's the one thing that we could do to kind of throw these teams off balance and every so often pull an upset? Sure. I I yeah. think it it's yeah. kind of like Syracuse running the 2-3 zone in basketball. Now, Syracuse has elite athletes, but you hear all the time from coaches that is difficult to get ready for the 2-3 because you're yep. not playing against it regularly. And so I think to your point, uh, Mike, I wonder your, your take here – it seems as though regular season, those academies will play well and, and have those games. In the bowl games, it's going to be a little bit more difficult, much like it, they just have more time to prepare for them. Well, to, to clarify and clear on Syracuse's 2-3 zone, the only time they ever won anything was because Carmelo Anthony was on the team. So that, I, yep, I, I, yep. Would, I, would, I would doubt how effective it was when it came to the tournament time uh, at times. But um, I do think Rich's point about uh, – they wouldn't necessarily have to go all the way with it, but installing packages, like maybe just come out in the second series of the game mm-hmm. and you're running wishbone to throw somebody off. Um, it, now, can you become effective at running wishbone or triple option or whatever you like to call it um, without doing it full time? That remains to be seen. But uh, I do think that there would be, there can be an appetite or a, a potential success in teams running option or packages like that, bringing in a different quarterback and running a different set of plays, whether you've seen a minor way of the Saints doing it in the NFL, bringing Taysom Hill in mm. there to try to throw people off. Uh, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't mean that you have to commit to it full time and be what Georgia Tech was. The problem with Georgia Tech with Georgia Tech is that, yeah, they it was. They were throwing teams off, and they were racking up a bunch of wins, but it was becoming too difficult for them to compete in the ACC and really win games consistently. There's a ceiling on how effective that was going to be as a full-time strategy. Well, I think we have uh, tons to talk about uh, here at the Combine. I think that's a topic that we can come back to, hopefully, Rich, uh, as we go through uh, this offseason. We can have you back on to discuss through some of uh, these topics as well. I do want to talk about the DK Metcalf 
body fat thing. And it's not a, a question of the science of it all or having your take yeah. on what is too little of body fat. But we have seen over the years certain athletes uh, over exercise, over weight lift, over exert in that field and then limit their mobility. You see it more in baseball than anywhere. Torque in the hips and, and yep. the upper body can hinder, you know, throwing and, and hitting. Has that been talked about? Is there buzz that DK Metcalf is too in shape uh, and could cause some problems at the wide receiver position for him? That was my thought. I, that, you know, when I first saw that uh, now famous picture of uh, he and AJ Brown uh, looking completely chiseled like they were, you know, uh, carved out of granite, my first thought was. Um, I don't know how well he's going to move. You know, we, we you know we we don't know at this point uh, in terms of his agility, his fluidity. The one point nine percent, I I don't even that can't be right. right? I mean, there's no. that doesn't I, seem I like it's right. humanly possible. I mean, was that the president's doctor who put that report out there? That didn't seem really, I mean, 1.9%, he might be on his deathbed at this point. He's perfectly you know? healthy. Yeah, no, yeah. And, and Dan and I were referencing an article earlier in the show where a Division One trainer said if that was the case, he'd be anorexic and he'd be really yeah, unhealthy. Exactly. I, I don't think that would be, I don't think it's possible. So, yeah. Um, or advise. He looks good. Yeah. Looks good. He looks better than me. That is for damn he sure. Looks that's huge, a low bar. By the way. Like six three low... and a half and two twenty eight. That's low that's bar. Back with more on the other side of this break. Dan Stratford, Mike Blewett, Fantasy Sports Today. From the NFL to the NBA, DailyRoto.com is the place to win millions in daily fantasy. You can get the best DFS NFL coverage all season long for a price of $129.99 or dominate the entire daily fantasy sports realm with the Elite Package at $59.99 per month. If you use the promo code FNTSY, you get 10% off your Daily Roto Package. Go to DailyRoto.com, pick your NFL or Elite Package, enter promo code FNTSY, and you'll be on your way to becoming the next Daily Roto Millionaire. Dan Strafford, Mike Blewett, Rich Sermoniello back here for one final segment on Fantasy Sports Day. Coming up, the weekend fantasy update. You'll want to stay tuned for that. you want to stay tuned to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network throughout the day. Take us with you. Download the app in the iTunes or uh, I should say the iOS or Android uh, store showing my age there. Uh, saying iTunes, App Store. Anyway, <laughs> I want to talk some wide receivers here uh, as we have Rich uh, for the final segment Talked about DK Metcalf, half tongue-in-cheek, but I think a legitimate topic that will continue to get some buzz uh, throughout the weekend and heading up to the NFL draft as they try to really ascertain uh, his skill level and uh, body type. But, Rich, uh, overall take or or, uh, who you're looking for, what you're looking for for wide receivers at the Combine this year? Well, I listen. I think when it comes to skill positions, there's there's such depth. Mike talked about it earlier. When it comes to running backs, I tend to agree. I, I mean, you have if you have a Saquon Barkley uh, at running back, yes, I. I I, I like the idea of taking him early. He can be a franchise back. He can be uh, the face of that organization for a long period of time. But we've seen it year after year after year, whether it's running backs, uh, wide receivers, even tight ends. I, I think there's always going to be value once you move further. Uh, I'll throw a couple of names out there. Uh, Hakeem Butler from Iowa State. Uh, he is a big receiver, more narrow, rangier than a DK Metcalf, not nearly as uh big and physical or heavy, uh, but someone who could really create mismatches and secondaries, a little bit smaller. Uh, Mecole Hardman from Georgia, lightning quick, uh, not so much a 40 guy as he is in terms of a cut, stop and go type of a wide receiver. And, you know, we talked Boston College, we briefly touched on UMass. Uh, One of the more fascinating guys at the wide receiver position is Andy Isabella. Uh, Here's a kid who, you know, looks like he was made in, you know, Bill Belichick uh, you know, science <laughs> lab somewhere as a slot receiver. You know, here he is, the undersized, you know, Northeast kid overlooked coming out of high school. And he was absolutely magnificent throughout last year, despite not having uh, any kind of talent at quarterback. And the one thing that's interesting about 
Isabella, he's not, you know, he's not Wayne Krebet. He's not a try-hard type of a kid. Watch this kid when he runs the 40. He's going to be one of the fastest of the wide receivers. So Andy Isabella, not a household name, but somebody I think you'll be watching catch passes in the NFL for a very long time. A um, couple other guys to throw out there. How about Nikhil Harry from Arizona State and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside from yeah. Stanford. I, I really liked Arcega-Whiteside when I watch him on the field. Uh, good size. I don't know how he's going to test, but yep. those two guys jump out to me as interesting prospects that could be early draft picks, maybe not round one, but certainly early. Yeah, I, I'm glad you brought them up in the same discussion, Mike, because there are similarities to the two players. Uh, they can box out defensive backs. They're big. They're physical. They have large hands. But you're right, though. Neither are going to test extraordinarily well when it comes to straight line speed uh, in the 40. And that doesn't bother me. You know, I think about a, a, a Juju Smith-Schuster, for instance, someone who yeah. has that physicality to kind of uh, get in front of a defender, uh, create position, make catches, but isn't a blinding speed kind of a guy. And I have no problem with that. I mean, in the Pac-12, our Sega Whiteside and Harry were both wildly productive on a week-to-week basis. I love Nikhil Harry. I think he is going to be a go-to wide receiver for whichever team chooses him. Yeah, I mean, Larry Fitzgerald didn't run fast in the combine either. Right. He's done pretty okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would say so. Uh, I'll never forget calling a Rutgers-Pittsburgh game where Larry Fitzgerald caught a ball across the middle behind his back, literally just reached behind with one hand and trapped it against his back and then ran for another 15, 20 yards. That's a point where you say, yeah, this 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 guy's pretty good at this game. He knows what he's doing he out there. And, uh, he destroyed the Big East while he was there. Yep. Destroyed it. I mean, he just laid it to waste. He was just so much better than everybody else on the field. And, like, he's proven to be that. He's a waltzing into the Hall of Fame, so we're not telling you anything that you don't already know. It's just the suggestion that you have to run a certain 40 to be a productive wide receiver is misguided because yep. if you have this other skill set, and I don't want to compare anybody to Larry Fitzgerald because right. it's not fair, but um, at the same time, Rich's point was that it doesn't have to. You don't have to put up a four three six in order to be a first round or second round wide receiver. Yep, and I think we've seen plenty of uh, wide receivers and and go late in drafts and even go undrafted. And I think that's one of the large things uh, when the combine comes around and the draft comes around that uh, you forget how many of these guys who end up being not stars but perfectly competent. Uh, NFL players are undrafted, you know, who, who walk into camps off the street or, or not off the street. Obviously, they're working out just the same. But um, in figurative speech, uh, who, who get to do that. Uh, Rich, any off the radar guys? Again, I, I love your insight from covering college football. Any guys that uh, you think just aren't weren't invited to the combine or, or turned it down or guys that you think uh, may be in that sort of late round undrafted free agent market that could have some immense upside at the next level? There was one player in particular, uh, cornerback from Iowa State. I was surprised more than any other was not invited to the combine. Brian Peavy um, in a difficult league to be a defensive back. Uh, Peavy was a perennial all Big 12 performer. He's a little undersized. That's going to be the concern. Uh, Not going to be a bump and run type of a corner. But Brian Peavy is someone who was so productive throughout his Iowa State career, again, in a league that's pass-happy where you're going up against the Oklahomas and the Oklahoma States and the Mason Rudolphs uh, and the Baker Mayfields and Kyler Murrays. He's someone who I think will use this as a catapult uh, to the NFL. Offensively, one surprise for me was Michigan State offensive lineman David Beadle. I, I thought he performed very well on tape. Again, not sexy, maybe wouldn't work out particularly well, but players like that and listen look at the Super Bowl rosters I, I do that every year typically the number of undrafted free agents who began as free agents undrafted players on Super Bowl rosters tends to be in that 25 to 33 percent range which is staggering yeah. so there are a lot of opportunities for kids that uh, go from undrafted and actually make rosters. And there's good economic value. We had a, a brief discussion about economics. You know what? If you can get the undrafted kid who's playing in camp right. just about as well as that sixth-round draft choice, that's a cheaper option for the organization. 
Yeah, I've always been surprised that the NFL hasn't expanded back up to 10 rounds, but the reason they haven't is what you just mentioned. They don't have to guarantee any money. Uh, they they can just kind of lock in the draft picks at a reasonable, at whatever they've budgeted out, and then potentially add some other guys at virtually no cost to the organization. Yep. So a few other guys I wanted to throw out to you as we're getting ready to land the plane in about seven or eight minutes. Um we haven't talked about Jarrett Stidham, really, at QB. And two players out of Buffalo, one of whom is a quarterback in Tyree Jackson, who impressed people at the Senior Bowl. Uh, and then you have uh, the wide receiver out of Buffalo. Uh, just name Anthony is Anthony Johnson, the, yeah. There you go, Anthony Johnson. Thank you. So uh, so those two players, anything there on Buffalo. And Jarrett Stidham, I, because this quarterback class is interesting. We're seeing a couple of top names move around, but a Daniel Jones or a Jarrett Stidham, maybe they are the option for a team. Yeah. Um, listen, someone is going to emerge again this weekend uh, and then pro day and throughout pre-draft. Someone is going to emerge and sneak into the first round that we're not talking about now. Could be a Jarrett Stidham. Uh, to me, I maybe he was just brought down by the entirety of the Auburn offense, which was Horrific last year for Gus Malzahn. Maybe he was uh, guilty of that association, but I thought he was far too inconsistent. Um, you know, at times he looks like the prototype. It looks like he comes out of central casting for a quarterback, has good size, good arm strength, uh, more mobile. We saw that more so back in his days uh, at Baylor, show some good mobility outside of the pocket. But the lack of consistency, uh, to me, if I had to draw a parallel, I would say um, – uh, the Raiders' Derek Carr, that's what I see. You know, flashes of brilliance, but inconsistency at times from Jarrett Stidham. In terms of Buffalo, uh, I'm not a Tyree Jackson fan. I, I thought he made a horrible decision to come out early. This is a classic case of someone who will get drafted because of his measurables, because he's 6'7", uh, and he can hurl it uh, down the length of the field. Uh, but I, I think he could have used more seasoning. For a while, Tyree Jackson uh, was flirting with the idea of being a graduate transfer. And if he was going to take a step up in competition, let's say he transfers to yeah, uh, Power 5, I don't know, Syracuse needs a replacement for Eric Dungy. Um, you know, uh, if he went to a Power 5 school and proved it for a year, I would have liked Jackson more. I think he's extremely raw. He'll get drafted because of the measurables, but a lot of work to do. When it comes to Buffalo, the star for me out of the two is Anthony Johnson. I love him as a D receiver, uh, can stretch the defense, makes a lot of plays over the top. Uh, I like Anthony Johnson. I think out of those two, he'll have a longer career than Jackson will. As we uh, close out the show in a couple of minutes, Rich, wondering what has your attention beyond the combine? Obviously, a few more days left there. Lots of content to dig into and understand. But what has your attention over the next couple of months uh, in college football and obviously leading up to the NFL draft? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, for me, it's uh, it's really draft through April um, alongside spring football. Uh, uh, BC spring football, I don't know if you know, Mike has already begun. Uh, Arizona State football, uh, spring football has already completed. I love spring football because it's a great opportunity to start to flesh out who are the rising stars in college football, uh, where are the quarterback uh, battles developing, who are uh, taking over where there are voids. The guys we're watching today, right, every quarterback, every wide receiver, every tight end that we watch today, they're leaving behind an opening that someone else is going to fill, and I think spring football provides us uh, an early glimpse into that. For me personally, next week, uh, we get an opportunity to celebrate the best at high school, college, and the NFL uh, for our Maxwell Football Gala in Atlantic City. So we'll be down there with uh, with Tua, with Josh Allen of Kentucky, with Pat Mahomes, Andy Reid, uh, Ray Lewis will be joining us, uh, and a whole bunch of high school stars who won national awards as well. So next week will be a, a fun week for me personally at the Tropicana. So when is that next uh, next weekend? Uh, next uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, we'll be heading back home on Saturday. Very nice. Very nice. And, uh, you know, other key dates uh, as far as the NFL is concerned. Free uh, agency. Deadlines, 
Yeah, yeah deadlines for de- clubs to designate franchise or transition players is 4 o'clock on March 5th. That's Tuesday. And then March 11th through 13th, clubs are permitted to contract and enter into contract negotiations with free agency. And then uh, you have to start exercising options. So basically, the league year starts on my birthday, which is Tuesday. Uh, and then you're going to have free agency frenzy uh, basically yeah. next uh, about 10 13th, days. 13th, right? Yeah. Yeah. That was a, a good job of dropping the birthday in there too, Mike. We have to make sure <laughs> yeah. to to hit him up on I Twitter. Get to the mall. Mike blew it. <laughs> I got to get to the mall this weekend for blue. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. Uh, Amazon works too, uh, but nonetheless, uh, Rich, obviously, uh, really appreciate the time. Great content. Where can people? I, I know they already know, but where can people follow more of your work? Where can they find you uh, during this uh, college football offseason? Yeah, Maxwell Football Club is uh, maxwellfootballclub.org is where I do most of my writing, uh, writing all of the biographies for our winners again, uh, high school, college, and NFL level, and uh, obviously, any follows on Twitter at Rich Sermonello always greatly appreciate it. You, of course, find Rich uh, talking some college football during the uh, fall as well. So we'll uh, see that again uh, in the fall. What What do you make of, of records, Rich? I need a, a true, honest take. Are they the worst team in all of college football or just one of the worst teams yeah, two, in college football? Yeah, two quick thoughts. I, I know economically it would be ridiculous to suggest this, Dan, but uh, I— I, I don't like Rutgers in the Big Ten. I hated it sure. uh, when it happened. Uh, big fan of Tim Pernetti. Uh, and, and listen, it's it's brought a lot of cash to the school, which is great. But uh, from a competitive standpoint, whether it's basketball or football, man, I'd love to see Rutgers playing in the American and facing teams uh, like Connecticut would make a lot more sense to me. Uh, I don't know if they're ever going to get out of the situation that they're in right now. The division is so difficult. I'll throw out one thing to you, right? So you have a talented offensive lineman in Jonah Jackson, right? Arguably best offensive player last year. So what happens? Kid realizes I'm not going to win many football games here. I'm going to spend my final year of eligibility. Where am I going to go? To Ohio State. So to me, that encapsulates the situation that Rutgers is in. I'm not saying it's impossible, but we know how fertile our state is with high school talent. Greg was able to do it, but I don't even know if Greg could do it in the Big Ten right now. Like, where would Shiano be? What would he be? A 6-16 and team? Would he be Purdue? Would he be Indiana at this point? I, I don't know. It just disappoints me. As a resident of the Garden State, it disappoints me that I don't know if my state school is going to be competitive again in college football. Right there with you. Right there with you. Basketball team has uh, some upside, but that's a much easier ship to turn uh, when it comes to getting one or two talented players players. coaching them up. Yeah. How about Princeton? How about Princeton football? Actually, I forgot. We're also going to have Jeff Monken in Atlantic City from Army, and we're going to have Princeton head coach Bob Sarace and their quarterback John Lovett as our tri-state players of the year. How about Princeton going ten and zero last year? Amazing, and it's the uh, 150th anniversary, whether, you know, I know there are people out there who don't agree with it, but the 150th anniversary of the first ever college football game is this what, year. What Rutgers is it to disagree with? Well, there are people who feel as though it was a lot more soccer-like and that football didn't really start till later in the 1800s. All right, well, we got to light the candle at some point, right? I, I agree. <laughs> have, we, I mean, come on. What do we, it's widely accepted that that was the first football game, and yes, it was more rugby esque or whatever. But eighteen sixty nine, yeah, we can hundred fifty year with Rutgers Princeton and, and nice. Uh, we and move on go from, from there. there. So where yeah, was that game? Some... Was it was that at Princeton or was that at Rutgers? It was at Rutgers. It was in New okay. uh, New Brunswick on the College nice. Ave campus. Uh, right now, where the uh, gym stands on the Rutgers campus uh, was where the field once was. Uh, no yeah. longer. No longer available. But that will do it for us. Mike, uh, any big plans this weekend? Uh, any Anything good going on in your world? Well, my biggest plan just came to a close. So thanks for spending time <laughs> with us, Rich. I, I appreciate it, bud. So uh, thank you. And, and honestly, good luck at the Maxwell, uh, yes. at the Maxwell function. Uh, I promise I will go one of these years. I'm sorry I won't be able to make it this year. Would but love, I promise love, to be love to have both of you guys down there. It's a special event. Um, and, and I'd like to see you guys in tuxedos on top of it. I clean up nice. I clean up nice. But we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out one year. I appreciate the invite. Appreciate you coming on. Uh, great content. Uh, the NFL Combine is still ongoing, so you'll want to stay tuned for that. Uh, you find Rich on Twitter. You find Mike on Twitter. Find me all at our names. First name, last name. Pretty straightforward from there. Coming up next weekend, sports update. Thanks so much. Mike Blewett, Dan Trafford, Fantasy Sports Day. We're back with you next weekend right here on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network.